Hey, let's pray this morning together. God, we thank you um, for an opportunity to gather in your house today to worship you. And, uh, and God, as we look at the last strategy today of what you have given us to fulfill the mission that you've placed before us today, God, I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts today to hear. Um, God, let us hear about your character. God, let your character be what compels us to do what you've called us to do not out of obligation, but God changed the sincere desire of our heart to be more like Christ. And God, we ask all of this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Hey, um, we're actually beginning today or beginning, ending, however you want to word it. Um, today is the last day of our No Way series. And what we've unpacked the last couple of weeks are the three strategies that God has given us to fulfill the mission that God has placed on our hearts and in the life of our church of, of saturating the world with the good news. Um, the last two weeks, we've talked about groups. Um, we've talked about groups and the importance of you being connected as a family. And, and what I'm beginning to learn is that, that we talk about the groups. It's like every time I turn around, somebody is celebrating something that is a result of a group of being connected and knowing um, who you're worshiping with, knowing who you're connected to and who you're doing life with. But when we talked about groups, um, we gave you the opportunity last week as well as this week to, to get signed up and to get plugged in to a group because we don't want you coming and, and just coming in the doors and, and checking church off the list and walking back out. But we want you to be a part of what God is calling all of us to do. And we looked at the idea that community, that groups at the end of the day is God's character. It's who God is. He, he, is, he was the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all in one. Um, so we know that that is the character of God that he desires for us to do community and life together. Now, last week we talked about going. Um, this is the second strategy. So we've got groups, we've got going. And the, the idea that we mentioned last week was one of those things that I, that I comically say a lot of times that this is the one thing that that we don't really have to pray about. We don't pray about if we go because Jesus has already commanded, yes, we do go. But what we talked about last week was the where we go and the why we go. And man, I tell you, it was a celebration because we, we threw out last week that we would be sending a team to Nepal coming in June. Um, and there was actually 29 stayed after to find out the information about going to Nepal. Um, so 29 people stayed after looking at going to the other side of the world to take the gospel there. And so I was encouraged that, that the church is getting excited about going. Just had several conversations out in the hallway about asking about Nepal. Um, also had a conversation just a moment ago in the altar at the end of the second service, um, Nick, who, Nick Glazer, who is one of the, the guys who is going to Nicaragua at the end of February, the first week of March, he came to me and he shared that, that there was one spot available, that they had one spot left, but it was fully funded. So all he was requesting is that somebody would say yes. So he, he had told me right before we left, he said, now again, make sure you announce that second service too. So we make sure we get that spot filled. Um, I was in worship just a moment ago and felt this big shadow because he's about four heads taller than I am. And he said, hey, I thought it was the spirit of God at first, but it wasn't, it was Nick Glazer. And he said, with a big old grin on his face, he said, spot filled. So praise God that, that somebody took advantage of somebody being obedient and funding a spot. So they're able to be able to go um, and do exactly what God's called us to do. 
and that's to go. Um, so, you know, when we talk about groups and going, those are very easy to rally behind. They're very easy to get excited about. But if this is your first time today, um, I would encourage you to go back and listen to all three strategies, listen to groups, listen to going, because today is, is one of the, the most least talked about things in a church, but it's the last strategy that God has given us here at Chestnut Mountain to fulfill his purpose for us in 2020. But what I'm seeing is this is gonna last much longer than 2020. But it is the idea of giving. It's the, the, the strategy of us giving collectively as the body of Christ. And, and I'll be honest, as I begin to pray and begin to seek the Lord on God, how, how do we talk about this? How, how, do we, how do we mention the idea of giving? Groups, that was easy. God, that's my passion, that's my heart. Giving or going, God, that's my heart, that's my passion. Giving, whoa. No way I like to talk about giving. And look, this has been going on in my marriage ever since me and my wife were married. You know, I grew up in a, a little independent Baptist church where just to be honest, you didn't hear a lot about it. She grew up at Free Chapel. And I don't know if you realize, but the ministry that they continue to do all over the world, debt free. They don't owe a penny. And you know, and it's, and it's very, um, I guess, in, in God's timing and how things work out, um, my wife's grandmother passed away about a year ago this time. And, and at her funeral, um, Jensen Franklin was doing the funeral um, because this is a, a ministry that my wife's family has always been a part of. And, and in that moment, Jensen Franklin stood up and he talked about the, the idea and the heart behind generosity and how because of faithful servants that they are able to do ministry debt-free. But what is, was absolutely mind-blowing to me was that he pointed to my wife's grandfather who actually now lives with us. And I'm gonna ask, I know this is kind of, and it may, he may get a little embarrassed, but Papa, if you'll stand up, will you do that, Papa? Chuck's gonna help him. But church, what I want, thank you, Papa. Chelsea, you have to sit back down too. But what Jensen got up and shared was he thanked Don Bryan for casting the vision of Free Chapel being debt-free. He was on the board for many years and helped lay the foundation of that, of, of sowing the heart of generosity into the people of Free Chapel. And we're still seeing the effects of a legacy that was left behind many, many years ago. And so when, when I started thinking about um, giving, it's always kind of an awkward topic because there's two excuses that people use a lot of times of, of not wanting to go to church or not wanting to be a part of church. The first excuse is this. I don't wanna to go to church because the church is only concerned about increasing their numbers. That's all the church is worried about is so that they can report how many people were in worship, how many people were in groups. But what I hope you have heard over the last couple of weeks that here at Chestnut Mountain Church, we're not about a number. I don't care about a number. What my heart is all about is a name. I don't want a number signed up on a small group. I want a name signed up on a small group because Jesus calls us by name. So therefore, why should we not call each other by name? So this is our heart here, is that we're not about the numbers, we're about a name. 
But the second excuse that most people will use when it comes to going to church is, I don't want to go to church because all the church wants is my money. It's all the church wants is my money. If this is your first time, if this is your 40th year here, I hope you know that we're not about the money. We're about fulfilling the mission that God has placed before us. That is all we're about is being faithful and doing and accomplishing what God has placed before us to do. And that's being a part of the mission that he has given us here at Chestnut Mountain Church. And that's to saturate the world with the good news. So, you know, um, as the staff here, as your pastor, as we talk about giving today, it's not... My heart is, is I don't really, the motivation behind this is not hoping that your wallet size or your checking account size changes. What I have prayed for in my own life and in the life of our church is that it's not about your wallet size, it's not about your checking account change, but it's about a heart change. Because we know that according to the book of Romans that he is molding us into the image of his son Part of being molded into the image of his son is to be more like Christ. And the best definition I know that describes his character of who he is, is stated in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He gave. He gave. And so as God molds us into the image of his son, it's gonna have to do with giving because God's called us to give, but love is what compelled him to give. Love for a lost world, the love for his father is what compelled him to give his life. And so I'm praying that we not be compelled to give just as an obligation, but we be compelled to give by love for a lost world, but more importantly, love for our father. And so we're gonna be looking at giving today through the eyes of, of generosity. And, and I would like to say that, that this whole thing is completely from what God's laid on my heart, but, but there's nothing new under the sun. And I was listening to a message a little while ago and, and it was Louis Giglio using this passage to talk about generosity and it absolutely blew my mind. And so I had to go dig into it myself. And it's amazing what God began to show me through what we're gonna look at today. But we're actually gonna be looking in the Gospel of Luke. So I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke right quick. Luke chapter 19. But just to make you aware, we're gonna kinda of not really be flipping around, but we're gonna be referencing all of the two other Gospel accounts. And I want you to understand that these are not contradictory of one another, but remember that all of the Gospels are from different points of view. But what we see is that if we take little bits and pieces of each gospel, it makes the story so much richer because you're seeing so many different perspectives of the same story, okay? And so we're gonna look at uh, the gospel of Luke chapter 19. We're gonna read 10 verses, so I know it's a, a lot of verses, but just follow along with me and it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. But Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. It says, after he had said these things, he was going on ahead and going up to Jerusalem. This is Jesus going into Jerusalem. When he had approached Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount that is called Olivet, 
He sent two disciples ahead saying, go into the village ahead of you. There, as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has yet ever sat. When you look into the gospel of Matthew, just right quick, um, it says that we know that he sent the two disciples ahead to get a colt. But what we find out in according to gospel of Matthew is there was actually a mother donkey and her baby colt. So understand that there's actually two. Luke only talks about the one, but there are actually two that are involved. Um, but he says, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say the Lord has need of it. There's a reason that Jesus says that. Because look, this guy, this, these owners, they own a donkey and a colt. And all of a sudden, two random guys show up and they start untying and taking the donkey. Anybody in their right mind is going to go say, what in the world are you doing with my donkey? And he says, but look, when they do that, when they ask the question, you just simply tell them the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. Verse 32. So those who were sent, they went away and they found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? Duh, Jesus told them it was gonna happen. They said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on, on it and the colt and they put Jesus on it. And he was going they were spreading their coats on the road. And as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all of the miracles which they had seen. And they were shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in heaven in the highest. And so we're gonna look at this story this morning and. We're gonna look at it through the eyes of giving and the eyes of generosity. But before we even tackle this passage, there's one thing that we've got to, to get right in all of our hearts. Now, look, I'm not gonna say it's gonna happen immediately because we're all fleshly people. There's some things that we have to flesh out that we have to pray about, but there's one thing that we all got to establish first and foremost. I want you to flip to the, the book of Psalms just right quick. We're gonna read one verse. Psalms chapter 24. Psalms chapter 24, David is gonna write something that is gonna help us have a better perspective of generosity and giving. Look at what David writes in Psalms chapter 24, verse one. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Did you hear that? The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world is and those who dwell in it. So what we've got to establish before we go any further this morning is that everything you see, everything that you touch, everything that we have, everything that makes up this earth, it's all his. I don't care who made it. I don't care who bought it. I don't care who earned it. I don't care who thought it up. It's all God's. He gave us the ability to make it. He gave us the ability to earn it. He gave us the ability to create it. So therefore, guess what? It's all his. And I am thankful that it's all his. You say, well, Brian, it's my house. It's my car. It's my clothes. He's let you borrow it. It's all his. Everything is his. 
So before we move any further, we've got to understand everything you see, everything you own, everything you touch, it's all his. It's all his. So now we'll go back to the story. Let's go back to the story. And look, I want to I settle something with you right quick. This idea of giving and generosity, this has been a struggle. This was a struggle for me as I, as I stepped into to marriage, as I stepped into a family because we didn't talk about it a whole lot. And I'll never forget when me and my wife first got married and we started giving. She said, Brian, here's what we're gonna give. I said, do what? Are you nuts, woman? And so guess what? I followed her leadership and I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> but what I have seen through her faithfulness is God has been faithful. God has been faithful. And so I want you to hear me when I say that, man, he, you know, he's a pastor. He's supposed to be able to give. He's supposed to be open hand. No, I'm a human being and fleshly just like you are. Fleshly just like you are. So this is a battle, a constant battle. But what we see in this story that we read just a moment ago is Jesus is getting ready to enter into the Jerusalem into the presence of millions of people. And then he makes the strangest request. He sends two disciples ahead and he says, when you go into the city, you'll find a colt and a donkey and bring them back to me. Bring them back to me. But what I love about Jesus is he prepared the disciples' hearts for the questions that were gonna be asked. He said, look, you're gonna get questioned, but when you're untying the donkey, you just tell them that the Lord has need of it. And we saw it happened. Verse 33 through 34, we saw it and it says, as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they did exactly what the Lord told them. The Lord has need of it. But what's interesting is when you look at verse 35, we notice something about the response of the owners of the donkey. We, we see that there's something that is not stated that lets us know how they responded. Because as they go up and they untie the donkey, the owner comes out and says, dude, what are you doing with my donkey? What does verse 35 said happen next? They, it's not talking about the donkey owner. I love how that state, donkey owner. That just, don't eat me, sorry. It says they, meaning the disciples who had gone and requested the donkey, it says they brought it to Jesus. So do you see what the response was of the donkey owner? There wasn't one. All they said was the Lord has need of it. The gospel of Matthew does state that the owner gave them permission to take it. But what is awesome about that is what changed their perspective of what they owned because rightfully so, it was their donkey, it was their colt. But what changed everything is when the disciples said, the Lord. You know what that lets us know? that the owner of the donkey knew who Jesus was. The owner of the donkey knew that Christ was Lord. He knew that he was everything. He knew that he was the provider. He agreed with Psalm 24 that everything is God's. And so if everything is God, if God wants what's already his, who am I to keep it from him? So if God wants what's his, then by all means, the Lord has need of it. Well, here, 
It's all yours anyway, God. It's all yours anyway. And so we see that their response was as they, they let go of what God had given them. But you know, as I began to read that passage, I thought, man, how humbling is that? How humbling is that the creator God, that the king of all kings, that the Lord of all lords wants to use something that I have. And that the savior of the world wants to use something that he's given me. Church, that ought to humble all of us because if you're in here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, guess what? You have possession of something that he wants to use. You have possession of something that he wants to use. But he doesn't want to use it just so that you can give it up, but he wants to use it so that others will know what you know so that the others can call him Lord too. And you know, Jesus being God in the flesh, as he's entering into Jerusalem, the one thing that I want you to understand is, I hope you realize that Jesus being God in the flesh, he could have arrived in Jerusalem however he wanted. He could have arrived in Jerusalem on an airplane. You say, well, there were no airplanes back then. Well, he was God. He could have created one. They built a boat when it had never rained, so why would they not have done the airplane? Helicopter. He could have came in on a zip line. He could have parachuted out of a plane. Whatever he wanted to do, Jesus could have entered into Jerusalem however he wanted to enter. But what he did was he allowed these men to be a part of the paving the way of the triumphal entry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, that's humbling. He could have done it any way he wanted. But he said, you got a donkey and I want to use it. You got a cult and I want to use it. But he allowed these men to be a part of paving the way for Jesus to enter. They got an opportunity to be a part of the mission. They got a, an opportunity to be a part of him going to Calvary to die, to take away the sins of the world. They played a role in that. They played a role in that. And so church, when, when the spirit of God moves on all of us and he asks us to give, he asks us to let go of what we have, do you realize that you have an opportunity to be a part of the mission? You have an opportunity to pave the way for the savior, for someone else? We have an opportunity to do that and you know, what's tugged on my heart all week is, you know, we arrived here, me and my wife and family, a little over two years ago. And, you know, uh, you hear often people say a lot of times that, you know, when you get a, a new car or a different car and maybe it's a white pickup truck, man, you think you're the only person on the planet that has one, but then you get one and what is it? Everybody and their brother has a white pickup truck and it really just kind of disgusts you and makes you mad. So I don't know if it was just something that I wasn't aware of, but People would in conversation ask me, they said, so Brian, what are you doing now? I said, well, I'm actually about to move and be a part of what God's doing at Chestnut Mountain Church. You're kidding me. You know what? I was saved at Chestnut Mountain Church. Huh? But you live in North Hall. You live in Merville. Why? 
what are you going all the way down there that side for? Yeah, Brandon, I said Murrillville. For some of you, it's Murrayville. But if you live there, it's Murrayville. It's one. <laughs> but it's like every conversation I had and this church's name was mentioned, man, I was, I was saved at Chestnut Mountain Church. Me and my wife, we, we were married at Chestnut Mountain Church. I got baptized at Chestnut Mountain Church. You know what I remember from Chestnut Mountain Church? Judgment House. How many of you were part of Judgment House? Raise your hand. Praise God. I was 13. Don't y'all feel old now? <laughs> ah, yes. I remember loading up on a church van in Merville and coming down what I thought we were driving eight hours to get down here. I thought, where, I thought we were taking it to kill us or something. I thought, where are they taking us? But I remember as a young man watching hearts and lives changed because of Judgment House, because the gospel was being shared. And so I had a conversation just two weeks ago. Jared and I were having lunch with, with actually one of our new members that joined this past Wednesday night, by the way, where we had 23 people join the family here at Chestnut Mountain Church Wednesday. So praise God for that. But man, we sat at that table at Papa Jack's and we just started talking about the legacy that is here of how in 1887, God saw to plant a church in Chestnut Mountain, Georgia. And to think about all the lives that have forever been changed. Like Madison said, it's not a temporary change. It's not something, a, a phase that went through that it was good for a little while. But the truth is, is people's eternity have been changed because of the lighthouse through Chestnut Mountain Church. And I don't know about you, but man, I got all kinds of emotional. I got all kinds of jacked up because there's people that are here that some point in their life, the spirit of God came on them and said, the Lord has need of it. And you know what they said? Nothing. They said, God here, God here. And so what we're gonna do right now, maybe a little awkward, maybe a little uncomfortable, but here's what I wanna ask you to do. If you have been a part of the ministry here at Chestnut Mountain Church since before the year of 1980, I want you to stand up. If you've been a part of what God has been doing here since before 1990, I want you to st stay standing, stay standing. If you've been here for over 30 years, I want you to stand up, anybody. Thank you, thank you. If you've been here since before 1995, I want you to stand up. That's the year I graduated high school, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, another jab. I like it though. If you've been here since before the year 2000, I want you to stand up. Y'all stay standing. If you're sitting down in a seat right now, I want you to look at what a faithful servant has done. We're 40 years past and guess what church? 
lives are still being changed because people let go of what was theirs. So church, I think we owe them a thank you for being faithful. I think we owe them a thank you for letting go of what was theirs and what God had given them. Thank you, I love y'all so much. Thank you, you can be seated. You let him have what he needed. You let him have what he needed. And because of that, the ministry continues. Lives continue to be changed. But you know, I am so thankful that everyone that was just standing were not consumers. Because there's a lot of us that, that we just become consumers. We, we show up every Sunday saying, okay, what can Chestnut Mountain Church give me? What can Chestnut Mountain Church do for me? And look, I want that to be the case. I want that to be, I want this to be the hospital for the hurting. But at a time, God is gonna open the door for you to be a part of the mission that will continue. And I am so glad that every one of those that were just standing weren't consumers, but they were investors. They were investing in to the kingdom and because of that, lives have been changed. And my question that I've had to ask myself even all week, Brian, are you all in? Are you all in? If God asks, if the Lord says I've got need of it, Brian, are you willing to let it go? Are you willing to let go what he's already given you? But church, what I love about giving, what I love about generosity, and yes, I said love about giving and love about generosity, because when we get to be a part of the mission of God, we ought to love it. That God is calling on us who are absolutely a mess to be a part of the mission to save the world, to save the world. But what I love about giving and generosity is it's contagious. It's contagious. Look at what happens in verse 35. This is right after the, the donkey owner let their donkeys go. Look what happens in verse 35. It says, they, they, took, they brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and then they put Jesus on it. Do you see what it did to the disciples? Do you see what it did to the very two that went and requested it? They saw the generosity. They saw the giving heart of the guy who owned a donkey and a colt. And you know what they said? Man, if he can give his donkey, I can give him a coat. I'm gonna give him a coat and I'm placing it on this donkey because I wanna be a part of paving the way of Jesus to enter into the presence of millions of people. I wanna be a part of that. I wanna take off what's, what I know God's given me anyway. And I wanna give it back. I wanna be a part of that mission. But then in verse 36, it continues. And as he was going, talking about his journey into Jerusalem, they were spreading their coats all on the road. They were spreading their coats all on the road. I want you to flip back to the gospel of Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse eight. Again, it's the same passage, but it's from a different perspective. But it said most large majority, most of the crowd spread their coats in the road 
and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. Do you realize the weight of what's happening here? And I don't even know if that's the context, but that's what God spoke to me about it. It's how contagious giving was. It all started with a guy saying, hey, if the Lord has need of it, here's my colt. You can have it. The disciples saw and they said, you know what? If he can give that, then I'm gonna give my coat. And now as Jesus is entering to Jerusalem, they see the goat, they see the, the colt. They see the coat that is draped over its back. And now what we even see is the people who had crowded the streets, they took note of the generosity of paving the way of Christ. And now all of a sudden, we've got people taking their coats off and throwing them in front of Jesus saying, I wanna be a part of that entry. I wanna be a part of that victory. I wanna be a part of what Jesus is about to accomplish on Calvary. And then you got the poor people that didn't have coats. They turned around and started cutting limbs out of the trees. They're going, man, I don't even have a coat, but you know what? I can get a branch. And, and what it was is I don't even know what to give, but I'm gonna give anything I can get my hands on because I know it's all God's anyway. And I wanna be a part of his triumphal entry to save the world. I wanna be a part of that. And we see that it became contagious. I love what Louis said, and I wish this was my quote. I don't like smart people, but... It says, here is Jesus riding into the city on the generosity of ordinary people. That is powerful. Here is Jesus, the King of all kings, the, the Lord of all lords, the name above all names. Here he is entering into the city on the generosity of ordinary people. You know, I want generosity to be contagious here at Chestnut Mountain Church. Not because it's all about the money, but because what happens next in this passage. If we continue reading in Luke, look at what happens in verse 37 and verse 38. It says, as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all of the miracles that they had seen. When you look at Matthew 21, 10, it says that as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, that the entire city was stirred. That the entire city was in uproar because generous people paved the way for the Savior to enter. It impacted everywhere he went, but they got to be a part of this stir. They got to be a part of this ministry that Jesus was doing and that he was gonna continue to do. Church, I wanna be a part of a movement that our generosity, that our giving stirs our community, stirs our city and stirs our world. Got something I want you to look at on the screen. It's a tombstone. Some of you may know the name that's etched on the top of that tombstone, but this is a tombstone that is actually right out here in the side cemetery here at Chestnut Mountain. 
The man's name is William Floyd Tanner. You say, well, how many of you know who William Floyd Tanner is? I didn't have a clue. Can I tell you that William Floyd Tanner was a man who the spirit of God moved on him and said, hey, William, probably Bill, maybe. The Lord has need of it. Do you know what the Lord had need of? The property which this chapel sits on today. He donated in the early 1900s, well, no, probably in the late 1800s, a piece of property that valued at $200. But how many of us can say, praise God for William Floyd Tanner? That God moved in his heart and he said, God, it's all your land anyway. And if you have need of it, here, here, it's all yours. You know, some of you right now, you're looking at a guy named William Floyd Tanner who was buried in 1910. You're saying, Brian, I don't have land. My checking account's in the negative. I, I don't have anything to give. Go back to what we originally mentioned a moment ago. I don't care about the dollar amount. I don't care about the money. What I do have a burden about is your heart. What I do have a burden about is your heart. You saw people standing a minute ago, you now look at a William Floyd Tanner. You realize the legacy that is left behind. The reason that we are here this morning is because of faithful people who have been generous with what God has given them. So you may say today, well, Brian, I got $5. Maybe that's what God leads you to give. Maybe some of you, well, Brian, I've never, I've never faithfully given before. I've never faithfully given before. Well, maybe the best place for you to start is what Malachi talks about. And maybe that is the 10%. People always love that part, but the New Testament talks about selling it all, which I'm still trying to sell that whole thing in my head anyway. So maybe that God impresses on your heart to increase by $5. Maybe it's $100, but here's the thing. It's not about how much. It's about how big, how big is this? God's gonna take care of the rest. You know, in the fleshly part of me, I thought, you know what? We're gonna give a powerful message this morning on giving. And you know what? We're gonna take up the offering after church. People be all emotional. Man, they'll just be throwing sticks and throwing wallets and everything else. But, but God, you know what he said? He said, no. I'm not about an emotional change. Don't worry about that, Brian. What I want is heart change. What I want to see is the heart change of, of my people. Because I want you to understand that, that every morning that we pass the basket, that, that God is not sitting up on his throne in heaven going, oh God, 
I hope they give today because oh, we got to pay that power bill. We've we got to pay this, or we man, there's thirsting kids in Nepal. Oh, I hope they give. No, God, I just envision this Creator of the universe sitting on His throne in heaven, going. I hope they'll be a part. I hope they'll be a part of what I want to accomplish. I hope they'll be a part of what I'm doing. I'm opening the door for them to buy in. And you see, you gotta understand this, when we give, when we give collectively, church, we put ourselves in God's story. When we give, we put ourselves in God's story. That changes everything. I am so thankful that the people we recognized a moment ago, that they put into God's story. And because of their faithfulness, my kids have a place to be discipled. My children get to grow in their faith. But I ask the question, what, what will I leave behind? What legacy will I leave behind? Because God doesn't have to use us. God don't need our money. It's all His. So the truth is, is Right now, in this moment, God could speak, God could snap his fingers and he could clean every bit of water in Nepal, just like that. And by the way, Dwight is there leading a team right now. Catch this, this is what we give to. 50 people today have prayed to receive Christ. 50 people today have prayed to receive Christ because of us being able to take a water filter to their door. But God could clean that water just like that. But God's saying, man, I want them to be a part. God could build anything he wanted to in Nicaragua right now. But God's opening the door for us to be a part. God could bring salvation to all the public schools that we're doing everything we can to walk in those doors and to faithfully share the gospel. But guess what? God is allowing us to be a part. I had a conversation Friday from a teacher and she said, Brian, will, will Chestnut Mountain, will the, will the staff help me basically get the gospel in the schools through the, the avenue of FCA? And I said, hold on, let me pray. Yep, we're all in. But church, he doesn't need us, but he's letting us be a part. And all that came from the relationships that have began being built through Sin Sunday, through serving a plate of spaghetti. God loves noodles. God could feed 2,500 people on a Sunday afternoon for Sin Sunday, but God let us be a part. You know, and maybe this might scare some of you to death, but it's all God's, but kind of the elephant in the room is, we owe $3.9 million on this building. And I remember when I first came, people were asking, what are you gonna do about the debt? <laughs> I ain't doing nothing about it. I'm gonna trust God with it. But we got digging around this week and first you do know that God could just make that go away, right? 
Do we all agree with that? That God could just say, you know what? Debt done. Something could happen at the bank. Wires get crossed. Something all of a sudden, boy, that would be nice. Maybe we'll start praying for that. Praise the lamb. I just thought of that. Maybe that was the spirit of, no, never mind. Sorry. But man, we got digging around this week and we found this. Some of you are going, I've been wondering what that metal plate was on the front of that stage the whole time y'all been in this room. You know what this is? This is a burnt banknote from 1985. Where people probably still in this room the Lord said, I have need of it. And they let it go. And it was the day they paid off the brick building that is beside us. Church, I want to be a part of something like this. And I looked in the, it was a newspaper article downstairs and I watched a bunch of deacons and a pastor sitting there with flames coming from an offering plate. Boy, that'll kind of get you in trouble. But praise God. It was because people bought into the mission of God. And because they were able to burn this, guess what? You're in here. You're in here. God's not finished here. And I will tell you, with what God leads us to in the future, we ain't gonna build up here no more. We're gonna build out. We're going out. It ain't about building some metropolis, but it's about building the kingdom. And I want us to be the sending church. I want us to be open-handed with who God has built on this team because it's all his anyway. So God has given us an opportunity church to, to pave the way, to pave the way for Christ. Our mission statement that God has given us is to saturate the world with the good news. He wouldn't have given us that mission if the resources weren't in here to accomplish it. But church, we gotta let go of what's his. Then I know that we're kind of talking about financial, but the one thing that I am so encouraged with is I've heard story after story after story of not only were people letting go of their, their money, but people were letting go of their prayers. People were letting go of their time. People were letting go of their treasures. People were letting go of their talents because they were saying, God, it's yours. God, if you want it, it's yours. So church this morning, Remember that he so loved the world that he gave. He so loved the world that he gave. You don't have to be here very long to see that, that we are multiplying on our own. And what I mean by that is there's babies everywhere. <laughs> Either still in bellies are wrapped up in little blankets. It's on you and it's on me 
to make sure that those very creations of God have a place to come and meet our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. That's on us. And so I know this morning is not one of those, woohoo! But you know what? My heart's desire is that it becomes that. That when the Lord asks and he says, hey, I need it. I need it. Will you step out on faith? Will you give it to me? If it's $5, if it's serving in students, whatever it may be. But everything we have is his. Everything we have is his. And so I would just simply ask that this week that you would pray and say, God, what, what do I, what does generous look like for me? What does giving look like for me? What does it look like for my family? And look, it scares me too. It scares me too. But I truly believe that this is, you realize and understand that this is the one time when he talks about giving, when he talks about the 10, when he talks about letting go of what we have, this is the one time God says, test me, test me. Don't mean you're gonna get rich. So don't give your $10 or 10%, whatever that may be, and run to the convenience store and buy a lottery ticket and say, oh yes, he told me if I give, he's gonna give it back. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you'll faithfully give, can I tell you there's so much more involved in money? There's freedom, there's joy, because when we announce salvations in Nepal, when we announce salvation that takes place in children's church, when we announce, here's another thing, when we announce salvation that is taking place in LCA, a school that is here five days a week where the gospel is being taught, where the gospel is being shared, you realize church, you're playing a role in that. And when you've made that investment, can I tell you that there's joy in that? God, you let me be a let me be a piece of your mission. So I would ask church that we pray, that we pray.